Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. If you would grab your Bibles with me and turn to the book of John. John chapter 19 and verse 30. John 19 and verse 30. This is Jesus hanging on the cross. They had just filled a sponge with water when he said, I thirst. Put it up on hyssop, which is a type of brush, and put it in his mouth. It would have the, the opposite effect of desiring of water when the vinegar would have touched his mouth. But verse 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It appears to me that he was making a statement regarding his divine purpose, which was to our benefit. I'd like to preach for the next few moments on simply, it is finished. You may be seated. It is finished. Jesus was hanging on the cross by choice. Isaiah records that this would happen. We find that when Jesus would speak, he says as it was spoken to Moses and the prophets. He was fulfilling his role as John the, John the Baptist said that he was the Lamb of God, which was to take away the sin of the world. The wages of sin is death. We understand that all of us have sinned. Look at your neighbor and say, you know he's preaching about you. You can't hide it any longer. He's done called it forth in here. Look at your neighbor and say, you know you're a good sinner. That doesn't mean you were good. It just means you were good at what you did. Amen. Sin. But the problem with sin is sin brings forth death. The wage of that, the judgment of sin is death. And instead of making you pay for your deed, he chose to become your substitute and take your punishment upon himself. Calvary was the way it was. Because God wrapped himself in flesh. The scripture says, Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. Goes on to say, Timothy recorded that he was God manifest in the flesh. Praise God. John 1, 1 said in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was made flesh. Scripture also tells us that he became sin. That he might condemn sin in the flesh. He took upon himself the sorrow of every broken home, the sorrow of every broken mind, the grief of every person that's ever lost a loved one. He bore the grief. The Bible also tells us that he bore the shame. What does it mean when it says he bore the shame? Every time you sin and you come to grips with what you've done, you feel ashamed for what you've done. And he, in all of his perfection, in all of his holiness, in all of his righteousness, because he's a holy God, yet he took upon him the shame of every human being that's ever existed. 
every sin that was ever committed, every guilt, every anguish, every regret, the emotions of all humanity rested upon his shoulders. And that's why it says he was sorrowful and he was very heavy. I come to tell you today that he didn't have to go to that cross. He chose to go to that cross. He told Pilate when he was being judged, when he said, I find no fault in him. He told Pilate, they don't, you don't take my life. I give my life. He was silent though, typically when they were falsely accusing him. Isaiah records, he would go like a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before its layers. He chose not to open up his mouth while he was being judged. He could have, but he chose not to. They marveled at his lack of response of their false accusations. Now he could have spoken. He could have stopped everything going on right there. He could have defended himself, but you know what he chose? As the word. He is the word of God. He is God. He chose to keep his mouth shut so he would not mess up what he was sent to do. He could have just breathed. He could have spoke one word and wiped everybody out in a moment, but no, Philippians says that he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He chose to submit himself as creator to the hand of creation, allowing himself to be turned over to the haters and the mockers and the scoffers, people that despised who he was and what he preached and how he lived. He chose to let himself be turned. He could have stopped it, but he chose not to stop it casting, allowing himself to be thrown into the crowd that was crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They tied him to a whipping post. They tied him to a whipping post. He didn't have to endure 39 stripes, but he did. They would hit him with the cat of nine tails. But you know what he was doing? He's taking care of some business. Amen. They tell me that there's 39 categories of fatal diseases. And when he got the 38 stripes, which the Bible calls uh, uh, 39 stripes, which the Bible calls 40 save one, when they whipped him with a cat of nine tails, he would have fallen down by the pain, the anguish, the removal of the flesh of his body. Blood would have sprayed over existing walls around. Any crowd person that would watch him would have been sprayed with the blood that was coming out of him. There at the whipping post, a crown of thorns on his head, the car puzzles in his forehead that had bursted and running over his eyes. Here he is. I don't know if you've ever played ball long enough that you had to blow sweat out of your mouth. You ever done that, boys? Sweating? You're blowing sweat because sweat, how many's ever had sweat running in your eyes? The stinging of the salt of your sweat. You're doing this, and here he is there, and the blood is running over his eyes. He is blowing like that, and blood is spraying from his upper lip as he would breathe. They've slapped him in the face. They put 39 stripes on his back, but there was a reason he took 39 stripes, because the prophet said, by his stripes we are healed. He didn't have to, but he did. He could have stopped it, but he did not. The Bible says he endured. Oh, let me get to the cross. They 
they untied him from a whipping post. Oh yeah, they have a cross that was made for him. There was one by the name of Simon they, they pulled out of the crowd. Amen. They pulled him out of the crowd and they had him to carry the cross up Golgotha's hill. If you study long enough, you'll find it was a, it was a man of color. And God was using this man to bear the cross. I want to say here today, who in this room would have bore the cross for, for him? Who in this room would have taken on that cross and walked up Golgotha's hill with him? I wish all of us would be able to stand and say, I'm running up to that hill with him. I'm not leaving him on this journey by himself. I know what he did for me. I know what he can do for me. I'm not standing here while he's... It was a significant sign. It was a significant sign that we have to take up our cross as well, Brother Nehemiah. It was a sign that we've got to die out as well. It's a sign that we've got to be crucified with Christ as well. Can I say it's not good enough to hear the story of Calvary? You've got to live out the story of Calvary by repenting of your sins, being buried with him in baptism, and letting him fill you with resurrection power. Take up your cross. Somebody shout, pick up the cross. Jesus is being led up the lead like a convict that's never been never made ever a mistake. Hated on, mocked and spit upon, ridiculed, bringing him up to that hill. And a man's falling behind carrying his cross up that hill with him. When they get him to the top, the hole was already dug place for the cross would sit down and anchor into the ground. They get him there, they lay him on the cross and they drive nails in his hands. A nail through this hand, a nail through this hand. A nail went through both feet, three nails at the cross. They lay him down on the cross with the spikes and the thorns that are up on his head. I can only imagine. I remember as a boy wrecking my bike, wrecking my bicycle. And it, it burst open my knee. I don't know if I needed stitches, but I, I don't know if I just a, a, a wimpy boy. I don't know what it was, but that open wound on my knee. I laid in bed at night, and it would the the exposure of the wind to that, honey. You know what it's like to have a terrible wound where the guardrail ripped most of the leg off in that area, and you had an exposed nerve. The nerve, just any movement, that this this just the. They had to give you pain meds for a month over. And uh, uh, that exposed nerve, the pain of the wind, any air touching that, they said it's the worst pain. It exposed nerves, the pain that was there. And they put him there. The agony of the cross is because of the agony of your mistake. Don't let anybody tell you that sin's not fun. Because the Bible says it's the pleasure of sin for a season. But when the season's over, you're left with regret. Why did not listen? Why did somebody? Why did not why did I go this route? It's no longer the pleasure of sin. Now it's the bondage of it. You want out but can't get out. You want to lay it down but you can't lay it down. You want to have peace but you can't find peace. Why? Because sin's repercussions is always pain. Pain of the cross. The pain of Calvary. I realize some of you only see a crucifixion picture and that's all you see but there was an anguish there. 
Calvary was painful. Somebody tried to say, well, I wonder if he felt any pain. Sure, he felt pain. He could get hungry, he could get weary, he could get thirsty, he felt pain. Just because he's the son of God didn't mean he could not feel pain. He felt every stripe, he felt every punch, he felt every rejection, he felt every slap, he felt the mucus coming down his beard, he felt the rejection of that. And I'm gonna preach to you today, those that know him, those that have walked with him, don't you live out Hebrews 6 and you walk away from him because the Bible says you bring him to an open shame and you crucify him afresh. Come to the Lord, walk in the power of God, know what it's like to taste of heavenly things, living in the godliness and holiness, feasting of the true word of the Lord, tasting of the powers to come, Hebrews 6, and then walk away and return like a dog to its vomit. You are, you are, you are rejecting Christ. And the Bible says you crucify him afresh. He felt the rejection of man pain and agony at the cross. Why? Because life is painful without him. You look at your neighbor and say, you know this is the truth. Oh, I'm having fun, Pastor. Sin's amazing. I mean, it's a big party. We're having a good time. Uh-huh. There's coming a moment. It's going to fade away. Because what the devil's not going to tell you it sins always followed by negative repercussions. Okay, can, I, can I just tell you today that living for the Lord is the best thing you ever do? And I'm going to say this, Sister Claudia, I don't regret one day living for the Lord. I'm going to preach to you. Sin has a payday. When you sin, you hand the devil a blank check that you don't know if you have enough in your bank account to pay when you're done. I had a boy to tell me one time, he said, I'll never tell you the things I did because sin has no limitations. It leads to this, to this, to this. I'm gonna tell you where sin leads. It never stops with being fun. It never stops with the bondage. It will eventually turn that you have to make a choice to either turn back to Christ or mock the cross. It will never stop at sin. Eventually you will turn against what you once believed in. And that's why Paul wrote, he said, I'll write you even weeping that those that used to be with us are now the enemies of the cross because the goal is not to get you to hell. The goal is to turn you away from that which you used to love. Sin is not just a place of pleasure. Next thing you know, you'll be talking against God, talking against the church talking against truth. I'm telling you, I know what I feel in the building because the devil wants to deceive you into thinking that God is not who he said he is. From the Garden of Eden all the way to now, he's always come in with a question. Half God said, half God. It's a question mark. He's always placing on what God's been saying. And before it's over with, it's not just gonna be sin as fun. It's gonna be sin as bondage. This is gonna turn to, I don't know if God's real or not. And if you're not careful, it leads to blasphemy. It leads to, it leads to a reprobate mind. I'm gonna tell you what you don't want to be turned over to yourself because you are a mess. Can I preach to you? He didn't come to save you from hell. He came to save you from you. You are the problem. It's your thinking. It's your ideologies. It's, it, it's the way you think. It's how you were raised. You're the mess that needs delivered. You need delivered from yourself. In us is no good thing. Paul said, within my members.
believers, I find sin that when I would do good evils present with me. He didn't come to save you from that. He came to save you from your sinful nature. Somebody say amen. So Calvary was painful. The, 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 the nails, the, the stripes, the, the, the cross. And when they raised the cross up and it would have slid down into its anchored point, when the cross would have dropped into the hole, Flesh would have ripped. Hole in the foot wouldn't just been a little hole like that. Y'all picture a hole in, the in his hands. But the reality, it would have been elongated. Because the flesh would have ripped. The, the bones would have started. Never broke, but pushing aside as the weight of him hung on three nails. And they said and mocked him and scoffed at him. And all of a sudden, Blood dripping out of his body. Don't talk like that, Pastor. Because we got kids in here. Their video games are worse than what I'm describing. I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, we let them see all that gruesome stuff. They're going to think Calvary just, is just something. They're not going to be moved by it anymore. He couldn't have went through anything worse than a crucifixion. It was painful and it was agonizing. How many believe he suffered? He suffered. And here he is. He's hanging on the cross, the crown of thorns. Blood clotting over his eye. The car puzzles. It's hard to get blood to stop flowing out of the forehead. Those medically could tell you that. And here it is. He, he, would, he would, the weight, hold himself up with his feet to rest his hands. Then the feet and the pain and agony and the nail through his feet would get, and then he would, he would, he would grip, his hands would be the pressure points now holding him up. But when he's here, he stops breathing. Because he can't breathe resting at this position. So he'd have to raise himself back up. Blood running out of his face. Some that have studied that are medical believe you could have seen through his rib cage. See the functioning of his organs. He was beat so ferociously as if the agonizing of sin, the wrath of sin was taken out upon him. Don't forget, it was people that crucified him. Because it's people's hearts that become hardened, that turn against even their own. Because sin never stops with pleasure. It'll turn your heart to something, you'll become something you never thought you'd become. The darkening of the soul. The hardening of the heart till it becomes a stone that you have no compassion, nothing left emotionally in you because sin is a thief. He warned us. He said in John 10, 10, for the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he said. But it's not over till it's over. He looks like a weak lamb, but inside of him is a roaring lion. Don't forget because he's the lamb that he's not also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on, I feel like preaching to you because 
he looks like the dumb lamb, but he's about to become a roaring lion. And in seven phrases, hanging in the midst of agony and pain, that Isaiah record that there was nothing comely about him. Seven phrases that we find recorded. And you know what he said? It appears to me the first thing that he said hanging on that cross was this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can I tell you because he prayed that prayer, every sinner in this building can be forgiven. Every person in this building can be forgiven. Everybody that's ever done God wrong can be forgiven. Everybody can be changed because there's power when he speaks. Somebody say amen. He looks at a man that is questioning him on one side and a man on the other side that said, remember me. I get what I deserve, but you don't get what he doesn't get what he deserves. He recognized the righteousness, the holiness, and the perfection of Christ. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus took time. Today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. He took time in his pain to save somebody that needed saved. I come to tell you that's what Calvary's all about. He could have said, I'm hurting. I ain't ministering to anybody. But he said, one more soul. I'm preaching to somebody right now. He'll reach one more soul every single day of the week. He hasn't blown the trumpet yet because there's one more soul he's reaching. There's one more church to be planted. There's another marriage to say. There's another body to heal. He's reaching one more. He hasn't given up on you. Listen to me. It's 11.55. It's a noon. It's high noon. Just a five-minute high noon. At midnight tonight's going to start a brand new night. Midnight. And guess what? The clock's going to turn over, and it's going to start at, 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 at 1 o'clock. We're going to see that. A brand new night. You know what that means? Because the Scripture tells us uh, his mercies are renewed every morning. If you're here, that's because he's reaching for you. If you're here, he's not done with you. I'm preaching to you, God's not finished with you yet. What? Somewhere hanging on the cross, Mark records in Mark 15 and Matthew 27. Only time we find Jesus referring to God as God. He always speaks as Father when he would pray. But he said, my God. My God. My God, why has thou forsaken me? Can I tell you today, because death always brings the questions of the absence of the presence of God. And I can't tell you how many times I've stood there at a bedside hoping they would live. And watch life leave their body and wonder where's God at right now? Why? I was taught to say, not my parents, but I remember the old timers coming in. I was in pain and agony. Somebody, I don't remember who they were. I think it was a coping mechanism to not ever remember who they were. I mean, God gifts us with some things. Can you say amen? Walked in and said, don't question God. Well, you're the one feeling good. I was 12 years old. And they walked out of the room. They walked out of the room. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be rebellious, but I'm the one every heart beat infection in my blood and was dying as a 12 year old boy 
They didn't even know how bad the pain was. They didn't even know at that moment what was going on. I was dying with blood in my body. I had a blood infection. And my bone was literally decaying within my foot. And I, every heartbeat, I would dread. Every heartbeat because of the pain that would come to my foot because I looked good on the outside, but I was dying on the inside. Don't question God. They walked out of the room and I feel that no, I knew the next heartbeat's gonna be worse. It's called a throbbing pain. I know you I know you know what that is. Every heartbeat it's worse. Every heartbeat it's worse. And they walked out and I said, Why, God? Because when things in our life don't go the way we want it, we wonder where is God? Why God? Why God? I, listen, I'm not here to tell you to never question. Don't you question his intention. Don't you question if he can. Don't you say, can God prepare a table for us in the wilderness? That's not what I'm talking about. I think sometimes we want understanding. Come on, I'm preaching to real, I'm not preaching to angelic people. I'm preaching to people that have problems in their life and you got to give it. There's every now you got to say, why God? You know when I get out of that verse? I'm going to tell you what I get out of that verse. I get it's okay to say, why God? It's all right to reason with God and say, I don't understand it. I wish I had a big God at the end of the day. If I never get the answer to it, I trust you. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm preaching to you. God's got a plan. You might not understand it, but he's going to bring you through. You just keep on talking to him. My God. Can I say here today on the cross, Cindy, you know what it's like to suffer. You know what it's like to be in pain, have to learn to walk. He didn't say God. He said, my God. And you got to understand that in the seven phrases on the cross, every single one of them had intentions and purpose. That when things don't go the way they think they should be going, it's not just God, a God, or the God. we got to understand that he's still my God. In the midst of my pain, in the midst of the things I do not understand, the Lord is my God. The Lord is my shepherd. I, yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I'll fear no, for thou art with me. Come on, am I preaching to any believers in the building? You can stand to your feet and say, I've been through the valley, and he took me through it. He brought me out of it. He made a way where there was no way. My God. Somebody shout, my God. My God. He'll make a way where there seemed to be no way. And he stood at the cross and he made this next statement. Oh, he made the next statement. Watch what he says. He said, I first. They gave him vinegar and gall. Oh my, I'm getting ahead of myself. Be seated a minute. Can I preach to you? I might have to skip a couple of these because y'all gonna want buttermilk chicken and Cracker Barrel. Sister Rebecca, they might be showing up at Chipotle a little bit. I don't know. Can I preach what I feel? Hallelujah. He's hanging on the cross. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Have you ever felt forsaken? I'm preaching to the choir. But he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will be with you even until the, somebody shout into the world. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God has never left us. I'm preaching to somebody even in your sin, God's waiting on you. I said, God's waiting on somebody. Somebody in the room, God's been waiting on you. You've been waiting on God. You've got a 17 list thing that you feel like you've got to do to get to him. But he's just one. I need you, Jesus, away. I need you, God, away. I need you to get me. I need you to help me. I need you. He's just one prayer away. I said, he's just one prayer. 
away. Somebody shout amen. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. In the moment. Somebody standing in the crowd looks up and said, you know, I think that's the longest that I haven't seen him open his eyes. Like a person in hospice. That breath took 45 seconds. I wonder when it's going to be. All of a sudden. Mother! Speaking to John. Behold thy son. Son. Behold thy mother. Here's what he was doing. He's taking care of family business on the cross. Let me interpret for him. John, you take care of my mama while I'm gone. And mama, there's nobody closer to me than John. John, the beloved. John's going to love you like a son. I personally believe, I can't find it in scripture, but I believe Joseph, Jesus' father, earthly father, had died. He disappears from scripture. He was a righteous man. The Bible depicts him. He doesn't speak to Mary that many times. I know we honor Mary, but you need to look at Joseph. How many times did he speak to Joseph? He gave Joseph direction for the family. But Joseph's no longer there. I personally believe this. Now, I can't prove it, but I believe this. And that what Jesus was doing, he was stepping in that role, saying, Mama, John's going to take care of you. Because there's two things you're going to want when you're dying. You're going to want God and you're going to want family. The boats won't matter. The vacation home's not going to matter. Overtime's not going to matter. That house you built is not going to matter. Only thing, two things you want when you're dying. You, hey, all you young people and all you young adults and you young families, you young couples, you listen to me. You want all this stuff, but none of that stuff matters when you're dying. <laughs> don't have time for family. You don't have time for mama. You don't have time for daddy. You don't have time for anything. You, you're trying to earn that next dollar to get something that you don't really don't need. You turn 70, you turn 60s, you get there, and you realize, oh, my lands, I need to stay on subject here. You need God and you need family. Take time for family. All you young couples, you need to go on dates, you need to go on vacation, you need to spend time together. Jesus, hang on the cross. Took care of his mom. Because family matters to him. You're off subject, pastor, just a little bit. And then he says, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit. Because he could have never died if he didn't speak it. He had to speak it. Because he had, he was the word of God. And if he didn't give up the go, Here, look at your neighbor and say, he gave up. That's what the Bible says. He gave up. He didn't quit. He just gave up what needed to give up so you could have what you had given up. He gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit so you could get back your joy, get back your salvation, get back your ministry, get back your purpose, get back your family, get back your children, get back. I come to preach to you. He gave up so you could get back. And that's what I'm preaching. You can get back what you lost. You don't have to die in misery. You don't have to die in suffering. Somebody shout amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get back what you gave up. I feel joy coming. I feel joy in the building.
Come on, when he came, peace on earth and goodwill to men. God wants to bring joy, unspeakable joy. I wish somebody jumped your feet, clap your hands and shout, I got the joy. I've got the joy. Hallelujah. You say, I don't have any joy. Where are you going to get it? I want you to look at two or three people. Slap your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're going to get some joy. I didn't say punch him. I said, slap your neighbor. Brother Nehemiah, slap your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're going to get some joy. Can I just word it this way today? He didn't go through all that pain and suffering for you to stay in the same place you are. He went through that to bring you out. He went through that to call you out. He went through that to pick you up and turn you around. He's hanging on the cross. So much the dehydration and the loss, the dripping of the blood, the pouring of the blood. Be seated a moment. I'm thirsty. He was not satisfied. He was desiring something he could not get on his own. His hands are bound, his feet are bound. He knows what he needs, he just needs somebody. The gambler's at the foot of the cross, gambling for his garment. Somebody heard, say, oh, he said he's thirsty. We'll get him something. Mm -hmm. We're gonna get him vinegar. Because when that vinegar hits that dry tongue, not a bit refreshing, it's quite the opposite feeling. Pain now is in the mouth of where he'd been speaking. For every thirsty soul that could not get a drink, he said, I've taken up on me. They're down at the bar last night, thirsty, putting vinegar in their mouth. 40 ounce of this, a fifth of that, a shot glass of this, just down the road, down the corner. There's a little house down there, give them a little powder. Person thirsty, looking for it, sniffing it up their nose. Deep down they know they don't know what they're putting in their body, just thirsty. They can't find it because their hands are bound, their feet are bound. I'm thirsty. Well, you need this. This will make you happy. This is this, going to take care of your insomnia. This is what's missing. Here, here's what you need. Go to therapists. Sometimes you go to therapists and they don't have a clue about God. Give them everything but God. They leave out of there addicted. For the moment, it seemed refreshing because it was wet. It left pain in their mouth. It's exactly what addiction is. Think it's going to satisfy and it turns to pain. Every addiction. It's not the will of God to be addicted to anything. 
Like Tori told us about in Guatemala. I wish there was somebody to come. I'm preaching to you in this building. You're looking for something. But you're not going to find it in sin. You're not going to find it in vinegar water. You're not going to find it. Come on. He was taking care of every person that ever thirsted for anything and taking their spot. You know why? But he said, he said because in another verse... Spirit and bride say come. Let him that heareth say come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Because it's not over till it's over. Because when he died, there's a spear on the way. And what a soldier thought he was doing, doing harm to the body. He was just releasing a living water fountain that pours out and they wrote it down we've never seen water flow out of a body like this we've never seen that much fluid come out of him I'm going to tell you why because he was that rock in the Old Testament that the river came out that satisfied every thirsty Jew in the wilderness for food. come out come on and anybody believe he can satisfy your soul I said he can satisfy the soul if your soul was thirsty you're at the right place right now Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you just happen to be at Joel's bar today. It's where living water flows. It's where living water is in the building. I come to you, you don't have to leave here thirsty. You don't have to leave here with vinegar in your mouth. You can leave here with living water. He's the well of living water. Come on, jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout hallelujah. that well. Remain standing. He said, I'll be in you a well of living water. Springing up. It'll give you a spring. It'll put a spring in your step. Put a spring in your face. Put a spring in your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have that living water. I thirst. That's number six. But number seven is what I read to you is when he's hanging on the cross. And just before he dies, it is finished. He wasn't just talking about dying, he was talking about what happened in Genesis. When Adam sinned, and by one man, Romans 5 says, sin entered the world. Sin in Adam and Eve and their baby, their offspring and Cain that killed Abel and on down until we got a wicked world. Sin entered. By one man, sin entered the world and the effects of sin. Colossians 1 9 says, and it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say that whether things in earth or things in heaven, things below, through the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. The purpose of Calvary was to destroy what the devil started in the Garden of Eden with Adam. The works of the flesh, the sinfulness. You haven't turned me off, have you? Reach up on your little ear volume right now and grab your hand and turn it back up to number seven. My cousin was preaching on the radio. He was 10 years old. And this is what he said. He said, he's preaching 10 years old. Greg Hurley, he said, don't, he's preaching about a little while. He said, don't you touch that radio now. 10 years old. 
You keep listening to me preach, amen. Don't look at your neighbor and say, don't touch the radio dial. He's almost done. When he said it is finished, he said the effect of what the devil did in the garden. Because Genesis 3.15 says, devil, serpent, I put enmity between you. I put between you and man. And he said, out of her is going to come a seed, a baby. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. There's a baby on the way. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a baby on the way. Come on, somebody say, there's a baby on the way. Oh, I wish somebody say a baby's going to be born. Just a little baby. Oh, but when he was born, there was a star hung in the sky. Because he's going to bring direction to everybody that looks on him. Oh, he's born. Joy and joy in the earth, peace and goodwill. Oh, I come to tell you, he's not just a baby. He's the Lamb of God. And he's not just the Lamb of God. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. When he said it is finished, what he was saying was the effects of sin, the effects of what the devil started with Adam. It's over. Now I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. You don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die in addiction. You don't have to die guilty, shame, angry, hateful, bitter, broken. You can die free. Hey, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you need to stomp on the devil. You know what they had in the garden? Brother Ben, in the garden, they had dominion. That meant, give me, give me nooks. Whatever Adam spoke, that's what the animal did. Dominion. God named some things, but he named some things. They had authority over every beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea. I mean, they, they could have dolphins jumping through hoops before it was cool. They had dominion. But when they sinned, they became under authority, under dominion, under bondage, under the curse of the earth, thorns and thistles and pain and suffering and childbearing pains all the way down because sin brings pain. Look at your neighbor and say, sin brings pain. If sin brings pain, guess what? Then Christ brings healing. The cross brings joy. The cross brings peace. You don't have to live that way anymore. When he said it's finished, it is finished. I'm preaching to somebody, quit bringing up your past. It's finished. Quit bringing up your family tradition. It's finished. Quit bringing up what you used to do. It is finished. Hold the music for a minute. I wish somebody would shout with me about the glory of God. I wish somebody would just rejoice with me about Calvary. It's over. Hallelujah. Come on, I wish somebody would shout, God will not hold it to my charge and the devil has no authority in my life. He can't speak to me. I have authority over him. Come on, God's doing something to you. I have preached the gospel to you today. There's a resurrection power to pull you out. You do not have to remain the same. It's over. It's over. Hallelujah. 
There's an old song that says, I've been delivered. The hold Satan had on me. He ain't got no more. I've been delivered. And I come to tell you every family curse can be broken. Suicide can be broken. Addiction can be broken. It can be, it is finished. Calvary has allowed you to have authority over your life. It's over. Quit living in yesteryear. They buried him in a tomb. You know why? So you could bury all that junk that you did in the watery grave of baptism. Buried with him. When you walk up here in repentance, what you're saying is, I'm taking up my cross and I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm going with Jesus. I'm turning my life. That's what it means a 180 degree turn. I'm getting on my knees. I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm not going to live a life of sin. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not doing what my friends do. I'm not going that direction. I'm coming out of that. I'm not going to live in the guilt and the shame and regret any longer. I'm not going to live under bondage, under dominion, under I'm not living that way. I'm coming out. I'm going with him. Come on, I'm almost done, but I'm telling you what I feel. When you pick up that cross and repent, guess what? You can turn around and you can be crucified with him. You can bury your sins with him. And when you come out of that grave, guess what? We baptized a lady this morning. When she come up out of there, it's a brand new day. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. When you come up out of that water, you know what you can say? It's finished. And it's just begun. A brand new life. A brand new way. A brand new day. Come on, clap your hands and praise him all over the building. up three days later there's power I want everybody in the building praying right now God I don't want to live that way anymore I'm tired of the empty nights the rest of sleep I'm tired of it I'm tired of it living in yesteryear God says it's finished it's over Tired of the chaos and the confusion and the emptiness. If you want to turn to him today or return to him today, I want you to come up here. With your hands like this. Form of a cross. Come on. I want you to come. You want to return to him or turn to him. I know what I preach. I know what I feel. You got things in your life. You're saying, I'm ready to make some changes. Come on. Come on all over the building. Don't wait on your neighbor. I want you to come. I'm making some changes in my life. Calvary matters. We preach salvation for the sinner, but how about the saint? Sometimes we need to return and say, I'm going back to Calvary. I preached go back to Bethel a few weeks ago, but I'm going back to Calvary. I'm going back to my first love. I'm going back to repentance. In the name of the Lord. Come on, I know what I feel and I know what I felt. Today I'm picking up my cross. Wonder what would happen if husbands and wives would come and say, we're going with Jesus. We're going back to Calvary. I'm getting my cross and I'm going with him. 
He suffered so I could be healed. He became bound so I could be delivered. He died so I could be set free. Grab your neighbor's hand, lift it in the air all over the building. In the name of Jesus. Come on, husbands and wives, pray together. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.